Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Elizabeth. Please stand for the reading of our gospel lesson. This morning I'll be reading of Jesus' temptations as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So hear now the words of God. Jesus... Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, that one does not live by bread alone. And then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him into Jerusalem and placed him on a pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash a foot against the stone." And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed for him until a more opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the ways that you guide and lead us, for the ways, Lord, that you equip us to resist evil and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So just a couple of weeks ago, we were in uh, Jerusalem, some of us from the church, and we took a bit of a detour from our visit to some of the Christian holy sites to visit a place called Yad Vashem. And Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Museum there in Jerusalem. And so we went there absolutely appropriate. We needed to experience that memorial to the millions of Jews that were killed, and others, millions of Jews and others, that were killed during World War II. But not only was it a memorial site, honestly, it was a site of Christian conviction. Because as you went through this museum, there were words reminding us that Western Europe, a Christian area, supposedly, did not speak up in time when the rhetoric of hate began. 
And so it was this place of conviction. It was this place to remind us that we have to exercise our voice as we are believers, because we are believers. And that evil can come in, in, with a bright big sign on it, suppose, perhaps. But it can also come in little tiny words that are loaded with huge meaning that are significant no matter how small they may seem or short they may be. And so it was a place also of Christian conviction. And yet it was also a place where they celebrated when Christians got it right. They celebrated when faithful Christians at their own peril spoke up and spoke out against hateful rhetoric at first. But then even as the war began and progressed and their neighbors, the Jews, and their community were being deported. So on um, March 10th, 1943, 76 years ago today, a Christian spoke up. Many Christians spoke up. The country of Bulgaria had been occupied by the Nazis and they had made, the government had made an agreement to, that um, there would be some sense of order for non-Jews in exchange for its Jewish citizens. And so the uh, train station had a train pull in it. The SS guards were all around it and they loaded up 8,500 Jewish citizens upon that train bound for a concentration camp in Poland. So there they were, March 10th, 1943, train loaded, packed beyond any humane order. And into that space, up onto the train platform, walked Metropolitan Cyril. Now, Metropolitan is um, a religious official in the Orthodox Church. So the Bulgarian Orthodox Metropolitan, huge giant of a man, we are told, long white beard, black flowing robes, a, a miter of sorts, you know, the big pokey hat. There he is. That's not pokey. The flat hat, if you're Orthodox, there he is. Walked up onto that platform... And he began quoting from the book of Ruth because he knew the people on the train could hear him. And he said those beautiful words from Ruth, where you go, I go. And your people are my people. And your God is my God. Can you imagine? And the SS guards were armed and ready. We were told that the, the weapons were raised. And yet, as Cyril was walking onto that platform, he brought with him other Christians from his church. Word began to spread around the community. Actions were taken. More came out to the train. It wasn't going to move. And then maybe they thought it would. Tension all over the place. Cyril proclaiming these words from the book of Ruth. And finally, they said, you're going to get out of here because we're taking these folks off. He said that I'm going to lay down on the tracks. Because they're not going anywhere. And now at the Holocaust Museum, he is designated as among the righteous of nations. The righteous of nations is a designation that Israel has given to people who spoke up and spoke out when it was necessary. To people who said no when evil was present. Interestingly, Bulgaria is the only European country where the Jewish population grew 
during World War II. Nobody's going anywhere, the Christians said. And they aligned themselves with God and against evil. Sometimes evil presents itself with a big neon sign, no doubt. But sometimes evil chips away at our souls in a manner that we don't even recognize, perhaps until it's almost too late, perhaps until one leader or another, perhaps between one person or another, finally steps out and says, No, not on my watch. You know, we, we are beginning this season of Lent, and it's this classic story. We know it of, of Jesus' temptations, perhaps. We, we understand what is going on here. Jesus is beginning his public ministry. He's getting ready to, to go and to proclaim gospel, and he goes into the wilderness first to be alone with God, to prepare himself for what is to come, to prepare himself to always be aligned with his Father. And we hear these words, and I think it's so interesting. The first time we hear from the adult Jesus, the first time we hear from Jesus when he is a grown-up, we hear the word no. We hear the word no when temptation comes his way. You know, Jesus is known in the affirmation throughout most of the gospel, right? He's known for healing and teaching He's known for his um, feeding of the 5,000s, these affirmations of life, his willingness to go to the margins and to look for people who have been outcast, to look for people that are hurting. He's known by all the positive action that he takes. And yet the first time we meet him in Luke's gospel, as an adult, he is known by what he declines to do. And he is known by his resistance to evil and temptation, oppression, in whatever form they may present themselves, with a pitchfork painted red or with seemingly harmless transgressions that would pick away at his soul if he was fully human, but that would pick away and do do pick away from ours. And so Jesus, the first time we hear from him as an adult, stands up and says no, and in so doing, he lets us know that that's oftentimes what we have to do. That's oftentimes what believers must do as well if we are seeking to be faithful. We have to resist. We have to resist. We have to say no. We have to stand up and side with those who are being hurt. And we have to stand up and we have to say no to rhetoric that is hateful so that it doesn't get out of hand. You know, evil is the devil's nature. We can expect that from him. Evil is not our nature. For we are created in the image of God and we are saved by grace and love. And so our nature in the following of Christ as the people of God called Christian is to resist oftentimes. And is to say no as the tension mounts. And hopefully before evil gets a foothold or or even further into our hearts or into the lives of those around us. 
the racial slur at the lunch table, we say no. The off-color joke about women at the water cooler, we say no. The giggle at somebody who has some sort of challenge, kind of off to the side with a friend where somebody else might not notice us, we will not participate. And if we're being our most faithful, we will verbalize no. Again, our nature as those created in the image of God is opposite. Opposite. Diametrically opposed, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. We are to say no. As my mama used to say, you can't say the devil made me do it. Devil don't make you do anything. The power of the Holy Spirit calls you to faithfulness, and that power is far superior. So we have this text, Jesus' three temptations. I want to take a Look at each one because it kind of helps us begin to define evil. Not the evil that is blatant and, and shouts its name at us or comes at us in full force and we can easily identify it, such as a train pulling off for a concentration camp, but the evil that kind of sidles up and takes a part of our soul piece by piece by piece until there's not much left. First temptation. Jesus, I know you're hungry. And what's the big deal about a meal? I know you're hungry, Jesus. You've been out in these wilderness, this wilderness area for 40 days. You've got to be hungry. What I need you to do, Jesus, it's not going to be a big deal. Everybody's got to eat. Just turn this bread into stone and it'll be fine. You'll be taken care of. Just do it. Just do it a need. Again, not that big a deal. Just turn this bread, this stone into bread, Jesus. And Jesus says no. Because turning that stone into bread is about so much more than lunch. It's about participating in an unholy, it's not little, an unholy act. It's about giving the devil just a little entryway into your life. It's about, it's about doing what he says, whether or not it doesn't seem wrong or right, whether or not you don't think it's going to matter that much. I mean, everybody's got to eat. I think it's interesting in our um, Lenten study, for those of you who are participating in it, at the, it's about the Lord's Supper, communion on Holy Thursday. So the author, Will Williman, kind of plays out from there, taking, taking communion as... Um, the baseline, the platform. And, and at the beginning of each chapter, he's got a table blessing, which I think is so appropriate. A table blessing. What is it that we say, not just at the holy table in church, what is it we say with our families every time we sit down to a meal? And the very first chapter, he says something to the effect in his prayer, Lord, when I sit in front of this table, I remember how dependent I am on so many others. Somebody planted, somebody grew, somebody picked, somebody prepared, somebody shipped, somebody bought, somebody cooked. Lord, I am so dependent on others that I even can't take this simple meal for granted. And the question is, how do you get your bread? What's the source for you and I? What, what it, do, we, do what we do 
or how we behave takes advantage of anybody else on whom we're dependent? Do we take a simple meal for granted when there are countless of people who worked so that we might have table fellowship, sustenance? What are we willing to do or not do in order to earn our keep, earn our bread, gather at the table with loved ones, invite others in? Bread is so much more than just bread. Today, I think it means what are we willing to do? Honest work? Fair appreciation? What does that bread really mean? You know, if you grew up in the 80s or were a teenager in the 80s like me, you know Nancy Reagan's mantra, just say no. Remember, anybody? Yeah, okay, just say no. Hers was to drugs, of course, very good. Well, that's, that's all Jesus is asking. Just say no to taking anything or anybody for granted. Jesus doesn't. What do we do? Jesus says no. Then, then uh, the devil takes Jesus up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Can you imagine there from, from the wilderness in Jerusalem? All the kingdoms of the world. Here they are, Jesus. God has turned them over to me. <laughs> you know that's true. But I'll give them back. I'll give them back. You can have them back, Jesus. Just bow down to me. This is about power, right? This is about power and position and what we do when we have it. It's about privilege and how we operate within it. Do we, when presented with options, do we, when we have power, sell out the very image of God that is grace and mercy and kindness and provision and abundance? Do we sell it out? Because if we worship the devil in, in form, well, I'll say that, which isn't real common, I don't think, for most of us, or in attitude, which again, that's the little stuff. How is it we use our place? Do we speak up? Do we speak out? Are we afraid to call a spade a spade, a sin a sin, evil, evil? Jesus is so on the mark here. Nope. Won't do it. Won't have it. And I'm praying for my people that they won't either. And he quotes scripture back to the devil and he says, you know, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. That's it. Whatever place you find yourself in, that's it. And if you're tempted to do anything that would dishonor God, just say no. Third temptation, right? He takes Jesus into Jerusalem and, and takes him up onto the um, temple, I, I suppose, and says, you know, Jesus, if, if you would just look, throw yourself off, you know God will save you. You know God will send the angels to bear you up. Your foot won't even touch a stone on the ground. Just a little razzle-dazzle religion, Jesus, Right? 
Just a little reality show. Bring in the cameras. The crowds will love it. Just throw yourself off, Jesus. Bring in the cameras. The crowds will love it. Little drama. Little, you know, the more the better. Little razzle-dazzle to entice the crowd, to distract them perhaps from what else is going on. Come on, Jesus. Just throw yourself off. And I love it because the devil's gotten smart here because now he's the one quoting Scripture. See what he does? The seemingly good, the seemingly holy, the devils learned how to use the words of God even against Jesus. You know it is written, Jesus, the angels are going to save you. The angels will catch you before you touch the ground. Come on, Jesus. You might even get a few more believers out of it. Jesus says no. Quote scripture back. Do not test God. Scripture says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Again, remember we talked about it before, that battle of scripture. Everybody has access to it. Later on, the gospels will say that even the demons believed and trembled. But how is it that we engage life as God's people? Those created in God's very image, those who bear the name of Christ as Christian, how is it that we are wholly different and do not have to give over to temptation no matter what it is? I won't do it. Just say no. Let me get it right. But it is a choice, people of God. It is a choice. Perhaps that we're confronted with every single day. You know, as we've been saying, it's the season of Lent, and oftentimes in Lent, people give up something, perhaps to remember sacrifice, to perhaps re- to resist temptation. I frankly think the word resist is more important than temptation based on this story, because it is our resistance that defines us as God's people. It's our ability to just say no that holds us in that faithful space of life. It is our ability to counter temptation and not succumb to it. In Lent, we, we give up chocolate, we give up caffeine, we, whatever. We, you know, that's not wrong. It's not, I mean, it's fine. But honestly, folks, you know what it is? It's practicing for when the devil comes back at a more opportune time. We're all paying attention to what it is we eat or drink or, or whether we watch this show, perhaps we've given up something on TV or social media or whatever. We, we all pay attention during these six weeks. But what we're doing, or at least what we should be paying attention to, is that we're really practicing for when the devil comes back at a more opportune time and our guard is down. That's what the scriptures say. He's not going anywhere at the first no. And he's not going anywhere at the second no or the third no. The devil is going to wait. For a more opportune time to come back at Jesus, to come back at us. And again, I'm talking about just wrongdoing. Just the temptation to ignore the wrong in our own hearts, the wrong around us. Jesus, in this text reminds us oftentimes we're defined by what we will not do. 
what we will not say and what we will not condone and by what we will resist. Because that's how he had to do it. And he calls us to live and to follow those footsteps. May God help us. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, there's a lot of temptation out there. There's a lot of temptation to ignore even the small things that would chip away at our soul. The unkind word, the degradation of another human based on religion or race. National origin, lifestyle. God, there is so much temptation just to turn away. Lord, there's temptation to abuse the power that we have. Not to speak up and speak out because we want to maintain position or acceptance. God, help us. And Lord, even when, it, when religion's... Part of the temptation, the razzle-dazzle of religion, the, the overindulgence sometimes that we might think would attract the masses and yet sell out on some level. God help us to be faithful and careful and mindful each step of the way. For we know, Lord, that in this life, we are never far from temptation. But even better, Lord, you are never far from us. Help us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Remember, you can join us each week at our 945 Contemporary Service or our 830 and 11 Traditional. You can always visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.